they weren't just customers. They were they were my family and friends because they for me the whole ex, the whole experience and the whole thing about Boogie is how my mum approaches it. It's about uh, nourishment and nurturing. You know, it's our connection with family, friends, and the community. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. It's the summer series, and today we have a deep in the weeds favourite, an all-round legend, David Serekis. David, how are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Getting ready uh, for the uh, the summer months ahead. What's what's the last sort of couple of years been like for you? You've had some big changes, but what are you up to now? Look, um, as you know, I um, I uh, attempted to. Um, uh, uh, rebirth uh, Parama, uh, but unfortunately, um, uh, that didn't go to plan. Um, uh, I, uh, I, as you know, I had a stroke in 2019 and I hadn't fully recovered because you know, uh, stubborn me, I just uh, kept on working, and uh, contrary to um, medical advice, um, it was regressing uh, the repair. Um, the physical repair of the um, permanent damage that I um, that I had from having the stroke, and so putting myself into situations um, that weren't um, helpful, um, both uh, mentally, spiritually, and physically, um, only made uh, matters worse. And the doctors gave me um, uh, an ultimatum, saying that if I kept on this path, that I'd uh, I'd have early onset Alzheimer's by 55. So that was two years away. That's how serious it was. So I took a couple of um, months off. Um, I was lost. Um, I actually threw out all my um, chef's jackets after Parama 2.0 um, in, um, um, because of um, uh, how I might... Uh, 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 the just the difficulty I had in dealing with that situation um, mentally, uh, spiritually, and physically. Um, I threw I threw out all my night set, um, uh, and I and I I really and I really didn't want to get back into uh, cooking. I even um, got a job at DHL as a dispatch, um, uh, but then the doctors were seeing that I wasn't healing um quickly enough and and they were encouraging me to get back into what i love the most because it 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 helped with the healing and they found that whenever i did that kind of work and when i was in a good headspace and in a good environment the healing um was a lot quicker so the neuroplasticity um, was moving at a faster rate um, than it was um, with me being at Pyramid 2.0 where I was going backwards, where, yeah, I was declining in mental uh, health. So how have you got yourself back in the kitchen and doing the things that you love? What's What does that look like? Well, it, it actually is uh, a lot of thanks has to go to uh, Danny Russo um, at Rossellini Group who encouraged me to, to get back in and he, he, he you know he, he was very uh, delicate and tender with me <laughs> <laughs> he's a daddy 
um, but you know, he, he had his uh, you know, his uh, usual moments of you know, sort of get the stick out, but but he but no, but really, he was he was encouraging, he was uh, compassionate, he was um, helpful, and he just got me into uh, Rossellini Group and just helped me with. Um, uh, uh, creative. He wanted me to be uh, creative with him, um, and while giving me projects to help that side of the creativeness that that was um, uh, important. Um, that the doctors were saying uh, was going to uh, uh, help uh, me heal a lot quicker. Um, and then he, you know, he sort of um, he got me on to uh, working on the Sala dining project. So I helped him come up with a whole bunch of recipes. We tested them. I costed up um, his whole menu. I did all that sort of stuff in the background while the chefs and the team, the cooking team, did all the sort of the physical and hard work um, and the creating. And then I just did all the, you know, sort of the number crunching, um, the recipe development, um, and then the testing with them all. And yeah, and then I started getting my excitement up, and um, and then um, you know some uh, offers come uh, from overseas uh, to do some consulting um, in Europe and uh, back back in Chicago and Milwaukee, and um, and we're back to back to where we were um, 2018 when I you know sort of uh, um, hit a new sort of. Um, stride when i hit consulting and i was working for the greek club zeus chicago um and other and other groups um and yeah i'm in a better space now you've uh, done a lot of traveling do you have any sort of travel food stories that sort of had an impact on you that you can share with us look do you know one of the big things that i i noticed and i don't want to i don't want to poo poo the rest of the world um uh, and their cuisine, and 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 I and you know we all you know sort of you know sort of uh, beat our chests for Australia um, and how good we are um, uh, culinary wise. But when you, you go overseas, when you see the uh, vast differences of Australian chefs and 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 the local chefs. And the way they play with different palettes and and uh, fuse different cuisines or or nail certain cuisines, I think it has to do with our exposure here in Australia to such a wide variety of uh, cuisines and uh, ethnic-driven cuisines, and um, from. Um, uh, uh, accessibility from, you know, sort of a, a $5 hit up until a fine dining. So we do that really, really well, whereas um, everywhere else I've experienced, especially the US and Europe, it's a little bit hit and miss, you know. Um, they, I've, you know, it's kind of like where we are, uh, where we were in Greek food, I'd say 10 15 years ago and where we kind of still are somewhere is the Greeks in Greece have developed and evolved far faster than the Greeks here, the um, the old generation Greeks who are still pre presenting 60s and 70s style um, food. And that goes with Europe in the way they present uh, 
Southeast Asian cuisines, Mediterranean cuisines, uh, Middle East But then you've got these Australians, like you, you go to LA and then you've got Monty Kalindrovic and the, the uh, vast differences of his food to the local chefs uh, are miles apart. He's just doing some amazing things. Um, and and where it hit me mostly was when I had to, uh, I was in uh, the, the Netherlands early this year, and we were, you know we were visiting a few cafes uh, for breakfast, and they were all very standard traditional things, you know Benedict, uh, you know your traditional European continental style breakfast, very you know very sort of simple. Uh, not to say that there's anything wrong with it, but then. Uh, we walk into this one place called Box Social, and the moment you sit down, you kind of get a feeling like you you uh, walked into uh, a cafe in uh, Melbourne, uh, Lying on Street, or or wherever, or here in Marrickville, or Newtown, or Edmore. And the, the you look at the menu, you taste the food, and you think, "Wow, this is uh, uh, this this feels like we're in Australia, you know. Um, I you know you you don't experience this kind of food anywhere. And then and then you hear some noise in the background, and then you hear g'day, mate, and you know. Um, and then it's it's run by an Australian, you know. Um, uh, and then you see the menu further. Then you know they've got things like chickens. They were the first to introduce a chicken parmi, right? In in uh, the Netherlands, right? And they do it traditional pub style. Now these guys um, uh, work with a big pub group um, here in Australia, um, and they left just before COVID, and they put the names of um, uh, ten cities into a hat, um, and uh, and that's where they were going to go and start uh, creating, uh, bring the sort of the Australian gastro pump experience to Europe and um, uh, <laughs> lo and behold they chose uh, the Netherlands and here I am I walked into this uh, one cafe and it was just mind-blowing and and that's what I, I notice everywhere amongst uh, when you traveled throughout Europe um, and now they're starting the Aussies are starting to pop up in the Middle East um, and, um, and of course, the US, where you see just a vast difference of, uh, you know, sort of subtlety and finesse that Australians are, are really well known for, whereas the Americans are all about, uh, you know, uh, 25 hits, 30 hits on a plate. You know, it's just uh, the more grandeur the plate, the more, uh, you know, sort of fine dining it is sometimes. And then you go to Europe, and then it's the other end of the spectrum where it's just simple, as traditional as you can get without, you know, sort of breaking any formula. And then you've got these Aussies who know how to sort of uh, walk that tightrope um, and, and be uh, clever, delicate, uh, and use such finesse with uh, ingredients and the way they present and evolve, you know, sort of classic dishes um, of, you know, sort of uh, foods of the world. We're, I just think we're just, 
uh, incredible at this skill because of the exposure um, uh, that we've had from very young age of of every ethnic we've seen under the sun, you know, and, and at all levels. So uh, that's the one thing that I noticed more than ever uh, um, uh, on on these on this trip on these trips this year. It's it's summer at the moment. Is there any uh, ingredient that really stands out for you for that sort of represents summer, and how do you use it? Um, oh, man, uh, I just uh, yeah. It's, uh, for summer, I think it's it's just about uh, for me is keeping keeping uh, flavors clean and uh, fresh. Um, and uh, not not overpowering. Uh, I don't I don't know. I, I don't have a a particular ingredient. Um, I'm I'm enjoying working with tahini a lot more. I just like the uh, the 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 balance that you can get with lemon, parsley, fennel, mustard, um, and 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 utilizing that in uh, in dressings or cooking fish in it to give it that extra meaty. Uh, flavor to it. Um, uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> of all things, I'm enjoying just making just a simple cheese uh, cheese toasty and and uh, just getting you know sort of textures right. You know whether it's a um, you know the the right moment to take it off uh, uh, the grill so the cheese doesn't completely dissolve, uh, separate it. Uh, you know, you want to hold it together a little bit, you know, a little bit of texture, um, you know, sort of getting the bread nice and crisp whilst remaining fluffy further down, you know, just, I don't know. Uh, uh, I totally get it. I'm, I'm, I know the cheese, melted cheese toast conundrum, and when you get it right, it's amazing. Yeah, and it's just like even just putting things, you know, uh, things like a mustard and kimchi, you know, just simple just simple uh, combinations like that, you know, sort of sweet and sour, um, you know, sort of, uh, uh, you know, sort of, pit, you know, uh, 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 bitter and uh, sweet and all these things. Just, just you know, having a, a quick meal because, you know, the heat, it's getting hot and time, you know, sort of uh, times of an essence these days. And so it's just it's just like one of those quick meals that you can have um, with the leftovers, you know. That, that's that's probably been uh, my uh, biggest uh, uh, use of ingredients is is utilizing leftovers because you know, as we all know, things are a little bit tougher financially for us all um, these days, especially if you're in the hospitality industry. And so um, utilizing things the next day. And make you know making a second or a third meal out of what you've done, um, and then that way it's giving you an extra chance to play with uh, combination food combinations and techniques and textures and stuff like that. You know, in a different uh, a different setting than the, what you've done the, the the night or the day before when you cook that ingredient. So um, yeah, I think. I've never been one to focus on one ingredient. Uh, just trying to be uh, uh, 
open and respectful of all ingredients and playing around with them and understanding how they react under different circumstances or different techniques and, and uh, you know, sort of uh, incorporating um, just a little bit of science, not, not uh, molecular gastronomy science, just pure basic sciences of, you know, uh, 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 understanding the proteins, the sugars, and um, uh, anything else that reacts with other ingredients that we add to the dish, you know. Um, so, yeah. What are you loving about sort of this re-emergence into hospitality and food, and, and what, what are you looking forward to over the next sort of year? Me? Um I, I just, uh, I just want to. I'm just sort of uh, trying to find myself again, sort of uh, reacquaint myself with uh, the love uh, of cooking that I've always um, felt that is important to me, and, and what uh, made me the person I am. You know, um, uh, let's be honest. I've never made any money through cooking um but i've been fulfilled with the the process of cooking of of you know sort of after 20 years again that was one of the hardest things with pyramid 2.0 is that 20 years i built up so much goodwill um and connection with customers and they weren't just customers they were they were my family and friends because the for me the whole ex- the whole experience and the whole thing about cooking is how my mum approaches cooking. It's about uh, nourishment and nurturing. You know, it's our connection with family, friends, and the community, and that's always been uh, probably my downfall financially, because that's the way I think about it first, rather than. Um, the financial um, returns. Um, and so I'm trying to um, get back to that part. I'm, I'm trying to get my my soul and my head back into that space again uh, by spending a bit more time with my family again. I mean, my dad's 93, mum's 90. They're still cooking. They're still, my dad's still gardening, still planting the cucumbers. Uh, he's now moved to vertical farming because he's, um, you know, he's, he's learning some new tricks um, and learning how to utilise more space to get more cucumbers up the side of his house rather than a little patch in the backyard, right? Um, he, he can go higher, but yeah, right. Uh, but he's, he's not so mobile. He can get up a ladder and pick them anymore. Um, and then my mum too, you know, just learning those, learning those, uh, those, skills um, from her mother and applying them in cooking. You know, I think that's where a lot of cooking is going, back to those simple, uh, you know, sort of peasant days, but produced with a little bit of finesse um, and cleanliness on the plate if it's in a restaurant situation. And so I've done a few pop-ups and, and that's how i uh, uh, approaching a lot of those pop-ups is uh, using a lot of sort of village uh, uh, traditional recipes but make them contemporary and 
and accessible uh, in a modern setting and perhaps relatable to not only just the Greek culture, uh, but um, also other cultures. So, for example, in the last pop-up, I did uh, as, uh, as a signature Greek dish, which is a chicken, which is uh, in a soup, and the stock is then uh, emulsified with egg and lemon um, for it to be thickened and, uh, you know, sort of a little bit more, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, thicker in texture, I should say. So, so uh, and normally you have it in the soup with noodles. You have a, a, some broken noodles in there or broken rice, right? Well, I thought I'll, I'll omit the noodles and the rice, but I'll, I'll make a chow mein. So I, I served the chow mein style. So using, using um, uh, the chow mein uh, noodles, the crispy noodles, and then ladling the chicken in the sort of the gelatinous soup that you that you get when you get uh, you know a combination chow mein, right? And then the the liquid doesn't actually dissolve or melt the noodles, but it just coats them enough to to uh, you know sort of retain their crispiness, but then get a little bit of soft and absorb a little bit of those uh, flavors from the liquid. And so and that was probably the 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 most popular dish I served. Um, in the recent pop-ups because it, it still reminded people of of Greek food, but then it challenged their it challenged their perceptions as, and and um, you know they were saying oh you know that uh, it also reminds me of uh, you know uh, that great Chinese meal um, somewhere else you know so it was like combining a uh, chicken and sweet corn soup but you know minus the sweet corn and putting leg egg and lemon. Um, and noodles, but giving it um, a distinctive Greek flavour, and but having it playful. And again, I think food has to be more accessible, not to just your own ethnic group, or it has to be accessible to everybody now, uh, more than ever, uh, uh, because you know, uh, you, well, you know, we've got Uber, we've got supermarkets providing. Um, you know, uh, uh, more um, uh, sort of polished and uh, uh, better quality meals to take home and, and open up and it's ready in 10 minutes. So that's what we're up against now in, in the hospitality industry. We have to become more accessible to everybody because it's being taken away from us, from the supermarkets and Uber, right, um, because of its... Uh, accessibility to a greater audience and at a cheaper price right um so yeah uh that's that's where i'm uh, i'm at at the moment cooking um sorry if i've uh, gone on a bit there <laughs> well that's what we love about you david um it's it's great to hear you back on the pans and back doing what you love and very much looking forward to seeing what you do over the next year or two um Great to catch up again. Please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks very much for your show. It's uh, and, it, and it was, uh, I spent two months in uh, Chicago and Milwaukee where I opened up another restaurant, helped open up another restaurant in Milwaukee uh, with uh, the group that I've worked with and Yana uh, Sandete Kumbo, the basketball guy. 
and I was listening to you guys because I felt I was displaced in Milwaukee, um, you know, home of Happy Days and the Fonz and uh, Laverne and Shirley and lots of beer. Oh, one thing. One thing I really, I've got to put in just before I go, Milwaukee is like this giant new town city. That had two and a half million people. That's Milwaukee. So, wow! You guys ever get a chance to go? Like, you got to go to Milwaukee. It's uh, it's a really up and coming, burgeoning city, uh, aka New Town on steroids. Wow! Got to put that on the list, David. You're a legend, mate. Have a have a great year, and we'll catch up soon. Cheers, brother. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.